Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, how's it going everybody? My name is Ethan Lee and you are listening to For Whom the Podcast Tolls. This is the official podcast of For Whom the Cowbell Tolls, which is SB Nation's Mississippi State community. I am your host and I'm the managing editor of For Whom the Cowbell Tolls. On today's show, we're going to finish wrapping up the LSU game. Um, I'm going to answer some questions that were asked to me via Twitter. Then we're going to take a brief look up ahead at the rest of the season, what, um, what this loss means in the grand scheme of things. Uh, starting off first, let's jump into the entirety of the game. Um, you know, starting with coaching, as a whole, this is not Dan Mullen's worst coached game this season. It, a lot of people point to the first half, how atrocious that first half was, and it was awful. There was nothing good about the first half. I mean, there was a field goal. There was a blocked uh, point after attempt, I believe. Um, nothing good happened in the first half. There, nothing to be proud of. Uh, but if you look at the second half, you look at the adjustments that were made. Um, you look at the way that the defense really improved in the second half. I mean, the best that you could hope for against Leonard Fournette is to really slow him down. And the defense did that in the second half. Um, held him to, what was it, 57 yards on 12 carries. You know, that's pretty impressive. Um, considering he had 90 yards on 16 carries, was moving seemingly at will, did whatever he wanted to the Mississippi State defense. Um, but as a whole, the coaching, you know, we still have Holloway up the middle. We still have these weird play calls. Um, it feels like Nick Fitzgerald wasn't always put in the best situations uh, play calling wise. Some of it was just odd on offense. Um, in the second half, it was a little bit better. You saw the, uh, uh, the hallway up the middle play pretty much removed from the playbook and replaced with Ashton Shumpert running up the middle or um, Aries Williams catching the ball out the side. So getting those two involved was really important. And the fact that Dan Mullen was able to do that was incredibly important. Um, it also says a lot about how, I mean, he's grown in just two weeks. It, well, three weeks, I guess. Um, there were virtually no halftime adjustments for the South Alabama game. If anything, the halftime adjustments were, let's get worse. Um, going into the LSU game after the first half, a lot of us were fuming. A lot of us were mad. Um, I was definitely in that category, but the way that the, uh, the team as a whole rebounded, started to move forward, it, it was not great still, but you felt like the team could really jump into it if we could ever get a big player or two um, in the second half, that is. So, uh, that, that, I mean, that sums it up for coaching. Could have been better, could have been a lot worse, particularly the second half. If there had been no halftime adjustments whatsoever, then that score would not have been anywhere what it was. Um, so looking at the – let's focus on the defense for a little bit. The defensive line struggled. The defensive front seven struggled. Leonard Fournette did what he wanted. Danny Etling had his heyday, just the best day of his career. Um, and that was just bizarre to see that this guy that couldn't keep the starting job at Purdue 
transfer sent to LSU. Uh, he's now their starter, and he looked really good in that first half, which is very concerning. Um, Danny Etling is not a good quarterback. And, yeah. So, yeah, the secondary was weak, very much a mess. Um, and LSU's running game, their, uh, their offensive line, I mean, that's going to be one of the best offensive lines that Mississippi State will play this season that they'll face. But the fact that they could not get any pressure on the quarterback, didn't sack him once, didn't even hurry him up once, and Leonard Fournette could run at will, that, that concerns me. Um, I mean, that being said, you know, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of improvements made in the second half, but at that point it was too little too late and the score was already too high for Mississippi state to really make the comeback. Um, Looking at the offense, you know, as I mentioned earlier, still a lot of puzzling plays being made with Brandon Holloway up the middle. I don't get that play. It doesn't make any sense to me. I like Holloway. I like his explosive abilities. I like the fact that he can provide a spark for the offense anytime he gets the ball in space. The problem is we're not getting him out in space. We're trying to run him right through the teeth of the defense, and that's not going to work. It just won't. Um, LSU's defense is, well, I mean, as we saw, was far too good for that. Most SEC defenses, far too good for that. Most FCS defenses, far too good for that. There's just no level of football where this would really work. And, you know, you see it with when Ashton Shepard comes in um, and he just bowls right through the, uh, the, the defense. I mean, that was incredibly impressive. That was probably the best series of his career, that moment right there. Um, and that gives me some confidence in saying that he should be our number one back right now that he should be the guy that we go to, um, not Brandon Holloway. But Brandon Holloway is still the starter. I think he's still really important to the team, still adds a lot, still needs to be used a lot, but not in the way that he is currently used, not in this capacity. Um, you look at the quarterback situation. The quarterback situation is so confusing to me. Um, the uh, The offense really responded well once – Damian Williams come in, came in, um, but had Fitzgerald's helmet not been knocked off on that third down play with, what was it, like six minutes left to play? Um, I mean, we don't get that comeback. And it's just so weird because we saw in week one, you know, Nick Fitzgerald had two drives, and Damian Williams takes off, has this good run, stalls out in the second half a bit, but we don't see Dan Mullen pulling the trigger to go to a different quarterback to try to make something work. He sticks with this guy. Um, and we saw that here, too, in that you know Nick Fitzgerald had some bad throws. Granted, I mean, he was sacked four times, was constantly under pressure. But, you know, just, he made some bad reads. Um, LSU's defense had him rattled. And they were just able to do what they wanted. Um, there are several passes, too. I mean, those are inexplicable. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, but I don't really, I don't really want to address conspiracy theories on this show. Um, regardless, you know, 
Nick Fitzgerald did not look sharp, but that was LSU. That was his first road start, and it's in Death Valley. I'm, what are you going to do? So it was weird in that Dan, in a way, he's being stubborn and not being up, not being willing to pull the trigger and try another guy. In a way, I think that's just – it's great to see that he has confidence in the one quarterback that he's choosing, but when a quarterback's not effective, you got to do something, especially when you're down, what is it, like 23 to 6, and you want to try to win this game, and you're not going to win this game unless you get the offense moving. Um, so I think you have to do something. I don't think Damian Williams would have had – that sort of production the entire game. I, I Anybody who says that I think is just out of their mind because a lot of what LSU was playing in those last five minutes was very vanilla, very bland coverage. Um, and I think that Williams, like Damian Williams' numbers have been very similar to Fitzgerald's numbers um, had he played the entire game. Yeah, you know, Williams is a bit more efficient with the ball, doesn't make as many dumb throws, but as a whole – I don't think that he would have been that explosive for 55 minutes. I, I mean, no more so than what Fitzgerald was. And Fitzgerald still has a very high ceiling. He, uh, he just needs to sharpen up some of the passing skills a little bit. And those will come – or, <laughs> I mean, they may not – I can't guarantee that they will. But those come with time and more experience and a better offensive line. Because, as I mentioned earlier, that we struggled on the uh, – the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. We, scr- we uh, struggled with it on the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, you're not going to win many games in the SEC if you're struggling on the offensive line or the defensive line. You have to win the line of scrimmage. Mississippi State just did not do that. So, I mean, that's frustrating. That uh, The Bulldogs really need a lot of improvement at both, both lines of scrimmage. Um, and I think the defense has the talent there more so than the offense. The defense can be easily fixed with some scheme issues, um, scheme modifications, going to more blitz-heavy packages, getting some you – know, Leo Lewis is a monster. Getting him more involved, getting Jeffrey Simmons also a monster, more involved. Um, you know, A.J. Jefferson is always going to play well. Keep him involved. So you just have to find the right guys, go with them, Gary Green – um, Richie Brown's always a sure tackler. Um, I hope he's healthy. He uh, he took a pretty big hit trying to take down Leonard Fournette, and that's what Leonard Fournette will do to most human beings. But as a whole, I think the defense, like the defensive line, that can be corrected. Um, the offensive line has a lot of issues, and I don't know what the solution there is. A lot of people are saying fire John Hevesy. It's kind of hard not to jump on that train because of how bad the offensive line has been the past couple of years. And it, you know, you're not recruiting up to that level that you really need to on the offensive line to win in the SEC. Um, so the Bulldogs need to find a way to win at the line of scrimmage where they, I'm, you know, I'm pretty confident saying that if they don't do that in a lot of these upcoming SEC games, that Mississippi State will not be bolt eligible if they can't correct some of the issues they have on the offensive line and the defensive front. You just can't have those problems and expect to be bowl eligible in the SEC, particularly so in the uh, in the SEC West, where you're going to have teams like Alabama, 
um, Ole Miss with their defensive front. You know, A&M has a good defense now. Like, that's kind of terrifying. Their offense is garbage, but they have a good defense. Um, so you have these teams that you're going to have to face year in, year out. But Arkansas typically has a pretty stout front under Brett Bielma. He's a pretty big dude himself. Um, but there's just a lot of things that the, uh, the Bulldogs need to get fixed, particularly so on the, uh, at the line of scrimmage. Um, looking at special teams, I don't think you can ask for more out of Weston Graves. Weston Graves looked good. He had the two field goals, no problems with extra points. He, um, he did his job, no problems whatsoever. So, you know, if anything, pat Weston Graves on the back, if you see him, um, tell him that he's a good kicker because, you know, he looked like a good kicker. So, uh, hats off to Weston Graves for that. And, yeah, I mean, that's about it for the LSU game. Um, it's still a frustrating loss. The Bulldogs were in it. They had a good chance to, you know, drive down on that last drive. Um, had Dan Mullen not gotten in his own way with the play calling there. Um, I mean, I don't think you can ask for more out of Damian Williams or Nick Fitzgerald. Expectations were high for Nick, and they were probably too high. He was in over his head as a young quarterback. I mean, I'm proud of the way that the team kept fighting to the end that, you know, with Damian Williams, that spark that he provided, whatever was going on there, you know, proud of the way the team kept fighting. But I wish they would have fought a little more a little sooner. But it, it's, it is what it is. So let's jump into questions. Let me pull these up real quick. You can tweet at me at mstatesports at mstatecast. Um, I get your questions there, and we can uh, we can talk about them there. So let's see. First question uh, from Daniel Black. Hey, Dak just won. Not a question. Um, but yeah, Dak just, Dak did win at the time that he uh, tweeted this. And then Dylan Hodges, how about some Cowboys? Cowboys are winning. I mean, well, 500 on the year. You can't say that they're winning. They won. Um, and Dak Prescott looks pretty good. So, uh, how about them Cowboys? I'm not a Cowboys fan. I hate the Cowboys. I'm from Houston, but hats off to the Dallas Cowboys for being smart enough to take Dak Prescott and smart enough to find a way to use him and utilize his talents. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good things about that. And I think he's only going to continue to develop. There's going to be some bad games up ahead more than likely. Um, but the fact that he's performing pretty well right now, I think Cowboys fans have to be very excited about that. From... The Tupelo Flash. How's it going, Tupelo Flash? Why can't I be happy about number 10 up the middle, Brandon Holloway up the middle? Um, I don't think anybody's happy about Brandon Holloway up the middle. I don't know that Brandon Holloway is truly happy about Brandon Holloway up the middle. Um, I would hope that the, uh, the coaching staff in the future would find a way to use Brandon Holloway more with his skill set. 
utilize his skill set properly. I don't understand why they can't implement him properly. Um, I mean, they did last year, the tail end of last year, like the Arkansas game, used him brilliantly in that Arkansas game. We need to see that same sort of confidence in Brandon Holloway this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with quarterback more so than uh, Brandon Holloway himself. But you need to have that sort of confidence. You need to run those sort of plays that get Holloway into space. Use him properly. We're a quarter of the way through the season. And we are not, we're not looking too good. Um, and Brandon Holloway up the middle looks too good. So let's see. From Clinton White. What's the earliest state can offer scholarship stacks future sons? Um, let me put it this way. If we can't get Dak Prescott's future sons to come play here, assuming they're good at football like Dak Prescott is, um, then we have a lot of problems. We have a lot of problems. Um, that being said, I didn't really want to go to where my parents went to college. They went to the University of Florida pretty good school especially for what I'd like to study Um, might go there for grad school but um, if we can start offering them scholarships now let's go ahead and do it let's just go ahead and offer Dak Prescott and his future offspring this is a weird 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 topic Um, but let's just offer Dak Prescott's future offspring um, right now Just, just right now um, from the large dog, large dog, I can't talk, the large dog at KT Vanderlip. When are, when are you planning to record? Um, this is, yeah, I'm planning to record. I was planning to record, um, around seven on Sunday, but it got pushed back to what time is it now? 7:20 on, this is Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I had an episode recorded earlier, and then I kind of nuked it. It was not a good episode. This one's not that great, but so be it. Um, From Tristan Brewer. How's it going, Tristan? How will the quarterback decision be made? Um, I think it's still made in that Nick Fitzgerald is still going to be the starter until he proves he is not fit to be the starter. Uh, I mean, Damian Williams had a, a spark of brilliance there, but Fitzgerald's ceiling is still higher. And until either Williams proves to be better or Fitzgerald proves to be worse, uh, things are going to stay the same. Yeah, you might see Tiano and uh, occasionally, but I think we are going to ride with Fitzgerald because of how high his ceiling is. From at D underscore Mark 23, deplorable D Mark. That's an interesting name. Um, what happens to Mullen if we don't make a bowl game? I think it depends on how bad the losses are. If we had lost something by like 40 points to LSU, then his hot seat would have been on fire. His butt would be burning. Um, and if we have losses like that to Alabama and Ole Miss, A&M and Arkansas, if we don't, if we aren't competitive in those games, uh, then you know going four and eight is meaningless if we aren't at least competitive against some of the better teams. Um, that being said, Justin Strawn expects him to be back another year. Uh, that was before this whole Scott Strickland mess came up. Um, 
if we end up with a new athletic director, all bets are off for every sport ever. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to go on. Um, but if assuming everything stays status quo, at the time that I'm recording this at 7:22 on September 20th, everything status, stays status quo. Scott Strick, Scott Strickland doesn't leave. We go four and eight. We get blown out. Um, you know, I would expect Dan Mullen to be gone, whether it's on his own accord or whether he's fired. I, I would expect him to be gone. That being said, should he be fired? Probably not. Will he be fired? I don't know. Um, but I, I would just expect him to be gone if we go four and eight. Whether it's mutual, whether it's his decision, whether it's Scott's, he's gone. Um, if we go something like five and seven, we're competitive in our losses, we spring an upset somewhere, then I say go ahead and keep him for another year. At this point, with what we saw with how the team fought his last five minutes, if they can do stuff like that for full games, then we're going to be good. But the team is so inconsistent. So it's just, it's hard to project. Um, and if we don't make a bowl game, like that's such a wide category. That could be five and seven. That could be one and 11. If we're one and 11, he's gone. Anything less than four wins, he's probably gone. Um, four wins, he might be gone. I would expect him to be gone. Um, five wins, there's arguments to keep him. And I think those are more, those hold decent amount of weight. Um, so short answer, I don't really know. I don't think anybody really knows. It just depends on how it plays out and how we lose those losses, assuming we lose those losses. From Elvis Dog at James Barrett 61, will Lee Gibson or Murphy see any playing time this season? If MSU doesn't get to a bowl, will any offensive coaches be fired? Um, I am not going to see any playing time. I can tell you that because I'm – Oh, he's not referring to me, is he? Um, Dontavian Lee, Nick Gibson, Alec Murphy. I would not expect them to get much playing time unless it's like special teams. And that's kind of frustrating, but there's just so many different running backs to go with that it's hard to get them all on the field. You have a decent trio right now, whether people want to admit it or not. Um, but the trio, Shumpert, Williams, and uh, Holloway is actually a solid trio. It's just the offensive minds and the powers that be need to use them correctly. Um, if MSU doesn't go to a bowl, will any offensive coaches be fired? I mean, I just talked about the possibility that Dan Mullen himself might be fired. Um, again, not getting to a bowl is such a wide category. But regardless, even if we do get to a bowl, I think there's going to be some some movement on the uh, the offensive coaching staff. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I think Brian Johnson's safe. I, I think he's safe. But I would not be surprised if, to save his own butt, Dan Mullen starts parting ways with some guys that are pretty close to him. Most notably, um, John Hevesy is the one guy that I would really expect to be gone if we don't make a bowl. You never know. Um... From KT Vanderlip. Real questions this time. Three of them. Okay. I'm mad about the one and two start. I am too, Mr. Vanderlip. I I am too. Who should I be mad? Who should I be mad at? Um, Dan Mullen. I 
I don't think you can put the blame on any one player at this point. Dan Mullen is the guy to be mad at. Don't be mad at Peter Sermon. Don't be mad at the defensive staff. The defense is not great, but it's fine. Um, the offense is the reason why we are not winning. And inconsistencies as a whole as a team is why we're not winning. And that goes back to Dan Mullen, both of those. So um, question number two, I still say we get at least six wins. What say you? I'm, I'm still predicting five and seven. I mean, I think this is a five and seven win, you know, five, five win team, um, seven loss team until they prove me wrong until they prove me otherwise. And then to do that, they have to go better than five and seven or you know, theoretically worse than five and seven. Um, question number three, is there a place on the interwebs where I can find all the season two for whom the podcast holds up episodes? Yes, there is. And I'm streaming from it now. It is blog talk radio. I will include the link again in the, um, I guess I never include it on the uh, For Whom the Cowbell Tolls post. I will include the link there when I post it on For Whom the Cowbell Tolls. Um, The link is in the bio of the podcast Twitter account. So you can find them there. Um, And that'll link you to all the episodes from season two. But I'll also throw that that link on there. Or if you search For Whom the Podcast Tolls on For Whom the Cowbell Tolls, there should be whole list of episodes through that search query there. <coughs> I'm sorry there, guys. I, I just coughed in case you didn't know. Let's see. More questions. Chief Dragon Canoe. Is the team eating nothing but New England clam chowder in preparation for this weekend's game? I'm told that it's pretty cold up there right now, like in the 50s. So I uh, I hope that Whatever they're doing, be it New England clam chowder, which I'm sure is really good. I've never had authentic New England clam chowder. Um, But whatever they're doing, I'm hoping that they're staying warm. Let's see. From the Tupelo Flash. Again, will we see – or no, will we play the two-headed quarterback all season? If we do, will this stunt the growth of Fitzgerald? I don't know that we're going to do this all season, but I would not be surprised to see a revolving door – develop at some point and if we do that then absolutely it will stunt the growth of Fitzgerald um, at this point I think you just need to roll with one guy but if that guy proves to be ineffective pull him it sounds weird it sounds that like it contradicts each other but you know Dan Mullen has proven that he's going to run with one quarterback um, and that's fine I'm, I'm all for that but the situation as it stands is really weird in that, you know, we don't know that Dan Mullen is truly running with one quarterback because he didn't put Nick Fitzgerald back in. You know, after the, the helmet goes off, you have to sit out one play. Um, Damian Williams makes a pretty good play on that one play, but you don't go back to Nick Fitzgerald. And so I think that's sending these sort of messages that Dan Mullen doesn't really know who his quarterback is. And if he's going to truly go with one quarterback, he needs to truly go with one quarterback um, and not wait so long to pull him if he's going to be ineffective. And so that's why I think that while he's been very set in who his quarterback is, I think he's also being very indecisive about what moves to make and how to make them so that the team can win. 
it sounds weird. It's kind of weird to think about. The logic isn't totally sound, I think. That's on me. Um, from Barry and Ledger. Our next question, not... Yeah, that was a weird transition. Um, from Barry and Ledger at Ole Miss Bears. Which do you like better, sweet stew or denty more chicken and dumplings? Um, I don't know the difference. <laughs> don't hate me, but I, I don't know the difference. Uh, let me Google this. Sweet stew chicken and sweet stew is a brand. Huh. I've never had either. I, I thought these were like, you know, styles. I've never had either. I've always had like homemade. Um, what was the other one? Denty Moore? Let's see what logo is better. Uh, I can't type. Denty Moore. Oh, this, this logo is very bland. We're going to go with the, uh, the more homey looking one, the friendly looking one, Sweet Sue. I, I've never had either personally, but also the sweet Sioux can is 24 ounces. Um, the Denty Moore is 20 ounces. We're going to go with sweet Sioux. I should probably try these before endorsing them, but so be it. Um, from Mr. Underscore underscore Jimmy at sports goods guy. Why is it that you never see Hugh Freeze and Gary Busey at the same time? See, I don't think Hugh Freeze looks all that like Gary Busey. Let me look at Gary Busey again. Hugh Freeze. Well, I'm looking at Hugh Freeze first. Okay, let's open another tab. Gary Busey. Oh. Maybe. Yeah. No. No, the jawline's too different. Freeze has like a pudgier face. Um, BUC has a very interesting smile. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, probably because they aren't friends is <laughs> the answer I'm going to go with. So I just don't think they look all that alike. Um, is that it? That is it. So that'll be it for this episode of For Whom the Podcast Holes. Um, it's been a kind of a weird episode. I'm sorry for coughing on you guys. Those things happen. But um, my name is Ethan Lee. Thanks for listening in, guys. Have a good evening.